back for another episode here with Lee Bratcher. First one with Lee Bratcher, which Lee, you were one of the first guys we wanted to get on. So finally, due to your busy schedule, we were able to uh, pin you down, even though it's in Austin. You know, the time that we were going to try to do it was during Empower, and it was right when the Senate Bill 1751 kicked off. So we decided instead to do uh, that huddle where we grabbed a bunch of people from Empower, got them in the conference room next door, and, you know, went to town on some planning. So uh, that I didn't make the it. cut, apparently. I didn't get to go huddle in that room. You were supposed to you be were on stage. Oh, was you I? Were, you were on. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks. Whew. Thank you. I didn't. I thought it was another one that was like, I go to the see the bouncer and he says, your name's not on the list kind of deal. But no. <laughs> I appreciate you on stage. <laughs> well, yeah. I, speaking of that, Bill, that was actually, we were just talking about, that was probably one of your guys' biggest legislative wins this year was actually killing something. But um, I'll let you talk about that more when we get into it. But uh, yeah, man, thank you for coming on. And we know you're a very busy guy and you've been doing a lot. I think you're probably one of the biggest and best advocates not only in Texas, but honestly, um, from the pol political standpoint in the country. So, um, I, you know, for one, want to thank you for your efforts and, uh, anybody that has to spend that much time with politicians is, is doing God's work. So we appreciate you taking one for the team and doing what you're doing, uh, with the Texas blockchain council. Happy to, they're not all that bad. I, I actually like some of them. <laughs> No, I know. I And I agree. Actually, I don't know if you know this. I used to work for the U.S. House of Representatives for Kevin Brady. And uh, okay, and so I, I got to know him and his family very well. And really good dude. Um, we got nothing but good things to say about him. He's retired now. But um, I hope he, I hope you're enjoying your time, Congressman Brady. But uh, he, he yeah, they're they're not all as bad as uh, people tend to make them out to be. But um, it's still a difficult job and sometimes it's, it's like a necessary evil and some, sometimes. So, uh, we do appreciate what you do and you do a great job of it. You've really built the Texas blockchain council into kind of a model organization for a lot of the other states to follow. In fact, I, I get calls from different states that are looking to help set up a blockchain council in their state if they don't have one or to just grow theirs. And I can tell you every single time they bring up an, an organization, they bring up the TBC as kind of what they want to emulate and follow. So, yeah, that's a kudos to you, man, because you really uh, you took the bull by the horns and and built it into what it is. So good job. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's been fun and really not possible without great members and great folks like you guys and others who are spreading the word and. And also a little bit of luck too, right? You know, China bans Bitcoin mining like a year, nine months after I start the TPC. It was probably a year after. And it brings just a huge influx of, of business to Texas. So. Yeah, man. And lucky breaks is what makes life fun. So uh, you never know when they're going to happen, dude. And you still, you took advantage of it. So um, I'll stop kissing your butt now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with some hard-hitting questions right off the bat. Love Before it. Before we dive into the bill. So for one, I want to talk more about like the mission of TBC. Uh, I know there was chatter last year at the summit. There was a lot more content um, this year around Bitcoin mining specifically. Obviously, that's what this podcast is about. Um, and so I'm kind of curious as to has has TBC evolved from like with, from the first time that you got involved in? I actually I don't even know if you were involved in founding it or if you came in after. I would love to kind of hear more of that story. But has that evolved kind of over time? And then what is the current mission and, and focus of TBC? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, so I started it back when I was a political science professor, I was researching property rights and um, how you know blockchain and, and Bitcoin can improve property rights. I was actually at the, the Army War College studying property rights when I read the white paper for the first time in 2015. So I was I was not super early to the game. Uh, I guess that is somewhat early by some standards, but I wasn't like a 2000, 2011 type guy into, into the Bitcoin world. And uh, the way that we phrase the mission, you know, is making Texas a leader in Bitcoin, blockchain, and digital assets. So we are first and foremost an industry association representing the Bitcoin mining industry. Um, we don't exclusively focus there, although I would say about 60% of our effort and resources is around the mining industry. 
Um, the other 40% is a combination of law firms, private equity firms, accounting firms, digital asset companies, um, you know, real estate tokenization, even a couple of enterprise blockchain companies like Oracle and, uh, you know, a few of those types of like uh, traditional enterprise companies. So we have a we do, we have a decently broad mandate. We steer pretty clear of the things that get way far out on the edge. We don't do anything like metaverse related or you know any anything that like that we don't have a great degree of confidence in. Um, we we tend to not focus much uh, effort on and and also we don't have any members in that world. Then there's really no reason for us to do anything in that world. So. We stick in our lane uh, on, on those kind of topics uh, and focus our our energies kind of according to how what percentage of members fall into each one of the buckets. Obviously, you know, has, has it changed over time from, you know, you're talking about blockchain, digital assets, Bitcoin mining, um, you know, TBC Summit this year was very, seemed like very heavily focused on Bitcoin mining. I loved it. Um, you know, is that, has that been uh, controversial? at all with with certain people you know you've got like the bitcoin maxis are like you know you know screw everything else that's not you know that's not bitcoin yeah. and you you have like a whole ecosystem and you have member companies and stuff that you need to like worry about and stuff so i'm just kind of curious how you guys are thinking about that from where it started to where it is now and the future moving forward yeah we we take arrows from both sides sometimes uh we take arrows from bitcoin maxis because we don't do exclusively bitcoin uh most of the miners don't really have a strong, you know, proclivity. Like they're a little bit more about business than about ideology. Uh, but I would say that, that as an industry association, we are fighting for the Bitcoin ideology of, of freedom, decentralization, um, concerns against federal overreach, you know, hard money, sound money. But we do it in a, in a uh, just a complimentary way. I would say that like, you know, people that are maxis uh, like Parker and Jimmy, I consider friends. We see things mostly the same way, but they, they just have a different style. And I think their style is needed. Uh, our style is a little bit more ecumenical, if you will, like we're willing to work across the aisle and work with, you know, different parts of the industry. Um, so it's all it's all rowing in the same direction, just different styles. Yeah, we take we take arrows from like the smart contract ecosystem as well. They think that we're Bitcoin maxi. Because uh, we don't work with, you know, we don't do a lot of work on like Solana, you know, Avalanche type ecosystems. We'll work in the Ethereum ecosystem um, with companies like Consensus and others, but that's about as far uh, as radical as we go. Yeah, we we need all voices, man. I'm not. I think that's that's part of the problem that you you probably actually deal with a lot of this with uh, the political being in the political world. Um, we need a diverse set of voices on everything and opinions for, for things to actually become as good as they can be. If you get too ideological on either side and those are the only voices, then, you know, you get kind of the political world we're living in now. So I think it's good. Parker's great. Jimmy's great. You're great. And we need everybody in between too. So, um, yeah, I, I don't have a problem. I'm a, I'm a true libertarian. So I'm like, Hey man. Let people be who they are, and that's okay. And that means there's going to be good things that come out of some of these other areas, and there's going to be good things that come from the maxi world too. So I'm all, I'm all for right. it. But, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Lee, what are – I know, you know, we're on kind of a long legislative break now as far as the session being, um, you know, out. Um, and we're not going to see one now for a while. But uh, what do you guys do kind of in between session? What is it? What is it like? What is the TBC doing on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we are, in a, in a sense, we're kind of refilling the coffers in, a, in a, from a political standpoint, right? Political capital as well as actual capital. Um, so we're we're working on building a pack that can make contributions to elected officials and, and put on dinners and uh, increase influence. Um, you know, during the session, we're so focused on building, um, well, we're so focused on the policy side of it and the advocacy side of it and the education piece that we, we really deplete kind of the, the entity as a whole. So we're, uh, we're recovering from that front, you know, kind of taking a breath and 
building building the association back up from an influence perspective so that next time the session comes around the 89th session comes around uh january of 2025 we'll be ready to rock and roll and and pass some bills and and get some bad bills killed (laughs) uh, to make sure that texas you know remains the the Bitcoin mining capital of the world, which some new data out. I don't know if y'all saw these, the, the tweets from, I can't remember the guy's name, but he did a, a nonce analysis uh, of aggregate hash rate, uh, global hash rate, and using those numbers and what we know about the Texas hash rate about, tw- well, as far as megawatts is concerned, actually, it's, it, was a, it was a gigawatt analysis that he did. I think his his numbers were 16 gigawatts. Y'all can correct me if I'm wrong if, mm-hmm. if y'all saw the uh, the numbers. So global, and Texas has 2.2 gigawatts. So wow. really, it depends. You know, 2.2 out of 16 globally. Mm-hmm. 16 gigawatts globally. There's a couple of different numbers though. Like I've seen three numbers, right? There's Cambridge. There's this new guy who I can't remember his name. He's on Twitter. I'll probably look him up in a minute. Um, and then there's a there's a third. And so you see. The Texas share of Bitcoin mining range from, you know, anywhere from 15 to 19 percent globally, depending on which aggregate number you use with 2.2 gigawatts here in Texas. That is amazing. And what do you what was it prior to the the Chinese exodus? We don't really have a lot of hard data on that. Yeah, I mean, those are early. So our, our estimates was that. You know, back in 2021, we had about 600 megawatts total wow. in Texas. Um, That's you know, wild. Probably, that is at that That's time, crazy. the riot site was probably hashing at about 150 megawatts. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. It's much, much bigger now. But Yeah, yeah. So um, at the organization, I know Steve Kennard is actually running for office now. Um, is he planning on staying on the TBC? Or is that going to not be, he, is he going to be able to do that? Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll have him stay as long as he can. If he yeah. gets elected to office, I doubt that that would be possible. Right. Um, but he's a great member of the team, and you know he he's fully he's going into this thing eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but actually, he's got a really good chance of winning that primary. His primary candidate um, was arrested recently for um, something pretty significant. I yeah, I think it was domestic violence. Actually. Oh wow. Okay. And so it's kind of a sad deal there. So yeah. he's actually probably going to win the Republican primary. Um, and, and so you never know what's going to happen in the general. It really, a lot depends in Texas on, mm-hmm. you know, if, if Donald Trump is a Republican nominee, then a lot of down ballot candidates in Texas, right. especially in the suburbs, are going to struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have somebody like DeSantis or Vivek or someone like that, then down ballot candidates in the suburbs are going to do well. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of it depends on who's at the top of the ticket, but Steve's going to crush it on the campaign. Right. And, um, you know, he's going to be talking about freedom, privacy, education, right. you know, and Bitcoin mining. But mm-hmm. he knows that that doesn't resonate with the everyday, everyday voter yet. Right. So more of like the, the principles around the industry rather than like the industry itself. Yeah. Well, and just to think though, that there's going to be more and more, cause uh, you know, and I'm, I do want to ask you about this kind of as a follow up, but there's more and more, especially younger politicians around the country that appear to be kind of, you know, they're Bitcoin advocates. And there's actually been some on both sides of the aisle that are starting to make it not necessarily their platform. Um, we've seen RFK do it um, over, you know, he's making that somewhat of a major part of his, platform um but th- it does feel like there's more and more that are kind of coming into politics with at least discussing their positions on bitcoin um i haven't heard as much about bitcoin mining necessarily from a political standpoint as far as making it part of their platform but bitcoin in general i've i've been hearing more and more politicians again especially younger ones discussing it and kind of their thoughts on it and whether it be kind of the aspect of you know, anti big banks or whatever it may be, they seem to be making it somewhat of an issue for them. Have you guys kept a pulse on that? And like in Texas, do you have any idea of how many are kind of really making Bitcoin part of their kind of political position? Well, you're you're absolutely right that it's a generational thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some survey data from about a year ago that showed that between the ages of 
um, 18 and 29, 48% of Texans in that age range um, own Bitcoin or some other kind of digital asset. Uh-oh. So a huge, huge number. Now that when you go 65 and up, it's it's 6%. Wow. So uh, very much a generational thing. Um, I think elected officials that have long time horizons from both parties. Uh, like I listened to a podcast from Richie Torres from he, he represents uh, part of New York, I think part of Long Island. Amazing guy, like amazing mm. public speaker, incredible knowledge about Bitcoin. Um, he's a Democrat on the Financial Services Committee. He voted with Patrick McHenry to advance the market structure bill, the stablecoin bill. Um, knowledgeable, knowledgeable guy. And he sees the writing on the wall. It's going to be hard for somebody like Maxine Waters or mm. even Sherrod Brown uh, on the Senate side, um, or even some of our older Republican senators are really struggling with it. You know, some of the biggest opponents that we have here in Texas are actually rural Republican uh, senators. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a, a, an education gap, you know, sort of a misunderstanding. Like we align with them on a lot of things. That's why we didn't go too hard in the paint on on attacking them because we thought maybe eventually they can be allies, but in the short right. term, they don't understand the industry and they're really coming after us. They really are misinformed. They think it's a, a big, they think that, um, you know, China is using this industry to, uh, as sort of, a you know, as a campaign to hmm. dis, uh, to, uh, disrupt yeah, to the grid disrupt, or right. yeah, disrupt the grid or do some things like that. So, mm-hmm. A lot of misinformation and a misunderstanding, but it it really does fall on you know sixty five and older really struggle mm-hmm. with it, and and under the, that people under that age really get it. What about like Texas specifically? Have you seen any Democrats come kind of over to the pro Bitcoin side, whether it be from you know from the energy infrastructure aspect? Because I do think there's tremendous benefit. We talk about it on the show all the time to energy aspect of bitcoin mining but but bitcoin in general have you seen the you know those on the left in texas which the texas left is very different than elizabeth warren's of the world so i know that you know a texas democrat is probably uh the equivalent of a moderate republican in pennsylvania but um you know this it, it people need to understand that too i think that the party's not the same everywhere and so, um, but have you seen some in Texas on, you know, the Texas Democrats that are proponents or is it pretty, are they playing kind of the hardline left position on it? No, I, we see a lot of support from Democrats in Texas and you're right. They're, they're pretty centrist Democrats when mm-hmm. you compare them to Northeast Democrats. Um, you've got people like Salman Bohani, um, up in the DFW area, John, uh, Representative Busey down in the, the uh, Central Texas area, uh, Oscar Longoria, uh, Maria, uh, P- P- or sorry, Penny Morales Shaw in y'all's area in Houston. Hmm. Um, so there's probably two or three others that I'm forgetting. That I'm not even mentioning the senators. You got Senator Johnson in uh, from the DFW area as a Democrat hmm. who's very, you know, he's an attorney and probably in his, in his 40s. So he's... Hmm really read up on this kind of stuff so we're seeing support from both sides of the aisle uh, absolutely yeah that's good that's good to know let's dive let's dive into the the bills that you guys have had to get involved in that have kind of posed some threats uh there was the one that you mentioned when we first um before we hopped on the call another i think there was another big one this year but just kind of kind of walk us through kind of recent history what's popped up what are the implications for those um and kind of where they stand yeah, the first, obviously, the one that the audience has probably heard about is Senate Bill 1751. That would have uh, limited Bitcoin miners' ability to participate in ancillary services um, and also stripped away some tax benefits that accrue to data center, the data center industry and basically prohibited Bitcoin miners from participating in those, uh, in those abatements that Amazon and Facebook and some of these big you know, conglomerates are, are able to get. So with that bill, what really were what really happened is there was an industry group. In fact, we were told this by a staffer in Senator Colcourse's office. There was an industry group that came to them and said, hey, Bitcoin miners are taking up too large of a share of ancillary services. Um, 
and we you know we don't think that's right so a couple months later we get this bill uh but really what that says is you know that comment says hey we were an industry that used to extract a lot of value from ERCOT and therefore the ratepayer um around ancillary services and now that bitcoin miners are here and they're bidding the price lower and ERCOT is having to pay less for these demand response services like lr and clr uh which those aren't household names you know load response and controllable load resource uh now that bitcoin miners are here those prices are being bid down and they don't they don't want to have to compete and so their their share of that pie was getting smaller um so it was really a regulatory capture issue and we um we certainly didn't think that was fair we also didn't think it was fair that that AWS and Facebook would get a tax abatement for putting up data centers so people can look at more Instagram photos <laughs> and bitcoin miners uh you know who are securing this monetary network were were not going to get that same abatement even though the miners had to to um qualify based upon jobs and investment at, at a similar level as Facebook and Amazon and the other data center companies um Google Cloud etc so um yeah really just not a great bill mm-hmm. and um again the author of the bill center Colcourt and some of her co-authors are great Texas senators. They, I mean, they, uh, if you look at their record and you look what they've done for their communities, you know, really not a lot of concerns from us about who they are. Uh, I think they're just misinformed on, on the issues and it'll really, we'll really know next session, right? If they Mm -hmm. come at us with a similar bill next session, it's the same crew, the same, then, then it's like, okay, they are, they are probably in the pocket of some vested interest here and this is this is beyond like you know not understanding this issue um and and then we'll we'll have to change our tactics a little bit yeah yeah because that just for the people that don't know it did pass the senate um that's right it got killed in the house um you know i know you and i had talked about it a little bit at the time and nobody wanted to see it have to go to avid's desk to get a veto um just you know having fingers crossed hoping that that happens um but yeah i mean how close did that senate vote actually come out what was the final tally on that did it pass pretty easily yeah it did so it it passed on local and local and consent uh Mm -hmm. out of the senate business and commerce committee which means there really isn't a real vote in the senate it just passes unanimously in the in the senate uh just kind of one of those quirks of politics. So right. it passed unanimously in the Senate. And then it went over to the House and it was really close. We yeah. uh we were actually working with some folks on on the House side who really understand, you know, including uh including, well I guess I I, I shouldn't say too many names here, but <laughs> uh, several several members of the of the House really understood what this bill was going to do. Um, and I can certainly champion uh, a couple names, Giovanni Capriglione, um, who runs the IT Caucus, and uh, that's an incredible and, name. Uh, representative, wow. yeah, it's a great, uh, it's a great name, a strong name. <laughs> and uh, Cody Harris from the Palestine Tyler area uh, was was a great champion for us, and and they really understood what this bill was trying to do, and they realized it was a bad bill, and and um, you know, there's probably other other things at work that we weren't aware of, but um, a lot, lot of folks in the house were not, you know, were not interested in seeing mm-hmm. this bill advance. And I think that though, really, and the, this reason I was asking was I want to highlight how important it is for people to not take for granted what we have here. Um, we've got some of the cheapest power in the country, with um, a, you know a, a regulatory market that is very obviously business friendly and allows for miners to come here and thrive and we can't take it for granted. And that's why we need organizations like TBC and, you know, guys like you Lee out there kind of champion the industry. Um, you know, there, there can be, and I'm, I'm guilty of it myself, kind of just turning a blind eye to politics. Cause you know, over the last several years, a lot of people have got turned off by it, but, um, it goes back to just the, basically what I was saying earlier, it's something that you have to pay attention to 
um, because you can get complacent and you turn around, wake up one day and you've lost your ability to, you know, take advantage of the same type of market conditions that other industries are available to or available to other industries. And it's just something that, you know, you don't want to take it for granted and you got to make sure that you're supporting groups like you or groups like TBC and people like you that are out there, you know, champion our industry. So, um, it again, it's a it's a necessary evil politics is and and you guys again, I guess I'm going back to kissing your butt. You're doing a great job and I really appreciate it. Um, but also, so because you guys are doing a great job, do you get a lot of interaction with some of these other states that are trying to build their blockchain councils and and have you kind of turned into a mentor for some of these other other states and organizations that are trying to get off the ground? Yeah, I'll speak to that. But before I do, let me speak to something you just said. I think one thing that we really need groups like Digital Wildcatters and y'all's connection to the oil and gas industry, the energy industry for is that that industry is incredibly influential in, in Austin, right? Um, probably one of the most influential industries in, in the state of Texas and at the Capitol. So y'all's connection and your audience, your listeners connection to the oil and gas industry we have to we have to further tie bitcoin mining to that industry and even renewables right and just power, generation oil and gas all this stuff we got to tie it all together because um that industry doesn't get jacked with um, <laughs> they they are job creators they are you know driving the economy forward and um you know we will eventually be of maybe not a similar scale, but at least talked of in the same in the same sentences. But right now we're a minnow compared to the to oil and gas industry. So we need to uh, further integrate with with that world. So for that reason, you know what the work that you guys are doing on on merging those two uh, groups is quite important. Well, I agree, and we talk about that all the time. These are they're virtually. They're like sister industries or, or, or father son industries. And they, we do, it's a hand in hand relationship that I wish would develop more because they are so similar and they do uh, the energy kind of infrastructure aspect of Bitcoin mining is enormous and it has the potential to, to do so many different things for energy grids and for oil and gas companies. And yeah, instead of them, kind of ignoring each other really need to solidify the marriage between them a lot. So I completely agree. I mean, we literally do talk about that all the time. Yeah, I know a hundred percent. It's like, like you said, the business models are so similar. Yeah. It's just like a match made in heaven. Yeah. Like, two, like two little peas in a pod, two, you know, they go together like peas and carrots, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. So, um, and we appreciate, it. we recognize that too. And we, we do, we, we think that it's just something that we want to focus on and we're going to continue to try to, I don't know, make it a happy and fruitful marriage. Yeah, let's hope so. But yeah, so what? tell me about though, how much are you working with some of the other states and kind of trying to help them model their organization after you guys? Yeah, um, we. so I co-founded a coalition, sort of a loose federation of state associations several years ago with someone named Ari Yu. She is the director of the Washington State Coalition, Mm -hmm. uh, the Cascadia Blockchain Association. So we, we've co-founded an organization called the U.S. Blockchain Coalition. And together we sort of bring in other state associations. Um, they they, they got to do all the own, their own work, right? They've got to build it up. But we do give, we share best practices. And from time to time, I'll jump on like a call with somebody and say, hey, this is how, this is how we did it. Let me know how we can help. Here's some tips on, you know, from a funding perspective, from a policy lobbying perspective, um, how to leverage your resources to make sure you can be as influential for your members as possible. So yeah, definitely had had calls with folks in um, Oklahoma, you know, Pennsylvania. Love uh, Andrew in, in Ohio. He's crushing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ohio is the only legitimate uh, competitor to Texas. In I was going to ask you about them because I, I agree. Yeah. I, they're growing so fast and yeah, they're, they're doing a good job. Yeah, I, I really like him too. He's 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 got the, I mean, he's got it down. Yeah. Um, and I think they could become one of the largest industry associations as well. Florida's got a good association. Uh, Sam out there, 
uh, let's see, Pennsylvania with Dominic is really strong. Um, there's actually 40 associations in is there? the 50 states. Wow. Does Missouri have one? one? Missouri, my mm-hmm. my home state, do they have one Missouri, yet? Missouri is one of the fledgling ones. Oh, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna work on that. You might have to have. I'm some, work on that. Some part in that. Yeah. Yeah, you should go. Yeah, definitely make some calls. I'll put you in touch with the fledgling. Group. All right. There's about seven or eight like strong industry associations where this is like somebody's full time gig. Mm-hmm. The other 30 plus are um, you know side hustles for people, and if it's somebody's side hustle, then it's not it's getting really, the attention it needs. You know what they need uh, is exactly. they need one out of Springfield so you can do the meetups at Bass Pro Shop. Dude, I totally agree. <laughs> How awesome would that Have be? you been to the Bass Pro in Springfield? I have not. Oh my gosh, it's, it's incredible. It's the original. It's like the size of a mall. Oh, it's, oh, it's bigger now. Oh, it's, it's enormous. Yeah, it's huge, man. It's like, a, it's like an amusement park. They have waterfalls, like 50-foot waterfalls inside. It's incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like a tourist attraction. Oh, yeah, dude. That's what we need to merge together, the Bitcoin world and Bass Pro Shop. They, they go together with peas and carrots. Yeah. That, that, no doubt. No doubt. I completely agree. Um, well, so what are your plans? Are, are uh, you planning on staying kind of full-time at TBC going forward? Or what kind of growth do you – like? You run for governor? Right. That's Where's your political future at, man? I, I, we need a Bitcoin Pro, like, president. Go – Go Lee yeah, Bradshaw. So it, it's uh, it's not possible really for me to to run for office, which is good because I my my wife would kill me, and I've got three <laughs> young kids. Uh, I know you guys have kids too, so it's not it's not in the cards for me, which is which is a good thing. It means I can focus my attention on the TBC, um, and and also it really it would be really difficult for like an industry association guy to run for office. Yeah, uh, it would be really polarizing. It would probably kill the TBC, oh. right? So, um, as far as like our ability to work across the aisle, you know, with, uh, people of both parties, long story short, just continuing to push in, uh, spending a lot of time on the summit right now, mm-hmm. getting the summit going. We've got same, you know, I would say a similar lineup of speakers and trying to add some, some really big names. I've got, we've got Senator Lummis coming, Congresswoman Van Dyne, uh, Peter McCormick, Caitlin Long, you know, that, that crew that we've, mm-hmm. we've uh, had before. We're also looking to get RFK or Vivek, one of the two of them. Oh, that'd be uh, great. That'd be great to get, well, I think you should get both of them. Yeah, no, yeah. We, we would take them both if we could. Uh, yeah. We're, we're hoping for one or the other, but if we can get them both, that'd be great. I was wanting to ask you about RFK because he's been, he's been very outspoken about, and I know Vivek as, as well, but, um, you know, with the whole backing the dollar uh, by Bitcoin that, rfk was talking about i i, I mean obviously intriguing. i'm a it's very intriguing I'm, I'm a huge proponent of it i you know i've got my i don't have my tinfoil hat with me we still need to bring him in but you know i have my questions of how rfk is going to get through this primary process potentially uh with with biden um but i mean obviously having one person from both sides of the aisle running for president um and making Bitcoin kind of a focus of their platforms to think of how far we've come from just, you know, this is what was came, we've been around 13, 14 years and for it to be what it is now where you got presidential candidates talking about it in a legitimate way. I mean, it's remarkable. And I, I don't think it should be kind of under talked about or under underestimated how, impressive and crazy that is to think that we've got legitimate presidential candidates making bitcoin and backing the u.s dollar with bitcoin a part of their their political position on their platform i just i think it's remarkable and i mean can you kind of talk about what each of those uh candidates are are saying about bitcoin in a more in-depth and professional way than i just did oh you did great um i think the only thing i would add is we still we still have to kind of have our guard up a little bit because they are looking for a bump in sort of supporters Mm -hmm. and media attention. And this is certainly providing that for them. I think with RFK and Vivek, you can give them a little bit of a benefit of the doubt because you look at their background, Mm -hmm. you know, his with RFKs with privacy and Vivek's on the business side. And you can say, okay, this is logical. Right. This is not just a full, full on, like, political campaign mm-hmm. uh to gain more more media attention this is there's got there's some backing to it 
But we got to look at it with sort of a realist lens, which is even if RFK gets elected president, there's no way he is going to institute that policy, right? <laughs> right. It'll never get, <laughs> be almost impossible to get through, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think you know, one day, twenty years from now, maybe there's like mm-hmm. a basket of assets, gold, Bitcoin, other you know mm-hmm. other hard assets that. Uh, can can back some portion of the dollar right. it's, it's going to be impossible to back the dollar fully with oh yeah money. no i agree I, that uh, lee honestly that's what i like about you man you keep the real you you don't get the fanatic stuff going you, you're very realistic about this stuff and and i've said this too on the show as well as it it doesn't have there's so a lot of talk all the time about bitcoin like destroying the dollar and you know all that the reality is that happening is very very improbable um and there would be a lot of really bad things going on if that was actually the case probably i think realistically there's a world where things coexist and um you do you bring in it as an aspect of this and i i'm just excited that there's actually even a discussion at the presidential candidate level about bitcoin and and the, the oh yeah it's it's exciting i think it'll grow every year uh yeah i do too i do too and and it's like man and maybe in 10 years though won't those won't be idle promises like, right it, it is right it is possible in the medium term yep yep i agree i i agree totally man yeah i think so too and when we when we talk to elected officials about bitcoin and the dollar that Everybody from both both parties is very intent on seeing the dollar remain the world's reserve currency. Mm-hmm. So, our our talking points are around how how the um, United States getting involved in Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining and having Bitcoin in the balance sheet can actually prolong the dollar as the world reserve currency because uh, that on the balance sheet gives greater confidence to other central banks to hold mm-hmm. a bunch of dollars, um, and and so that gives us a, a prolonged stay as the world reserve currency. The other thing is stable coins, like 96% of stable coins are in dollars, uh, are backed by dollars, mm-hmm. US dollars. So the more stable coin proliferation, the more power that gives the United States. And, and you know, this is a, this is a, if you're playing the game of politics, you have to use those kinds of uh, talking points to get them to, to pay attention. Yeah. yeah, you do. You can't. A little bit of a side tangent, but. What is the point of a stable coin? I've yet, to, I've yet to have anybody like articulate like the utility of that. If it's truly backed by USD, what is the point of a stable coin? Well, I could tell you what we've used them for just in yeah. deals I've done is from a transactionary standpoint, it's very easy. Um, and it was, it was clean. Um, it, it like, instead of like wiring money and maybe it's like an international deal right it was an international like usddt right right it's a it was super easy it was super clean and um and it it really was like from a standpoint of like when you're wiring money and you're using that to to uh transfer funds there's a lot longer amounts of money right Right. and um so from that side from that angle it was like wow this is and I'm not gonna lie, it was terrifying at first sending, you know, large sums of money that way. I'm like, golly, I really don't want to be the person that screws up, you know, this letter or this number and what's gonna happen. But um, yeah, from that standpoint, it was like, okay, wow, this is a very simple transaction and um, and it's it's backed. So you're, you're not, like if I was holding that all in Ethereum or something like that and you get some type of flash crash, it's, it's terrifying, but um, you know, for that transaction we did, it was it was very very clean and very easy. Lee, you probably get a much more educated and better way of saying this, but that was that was my experience. I think the best way to explain it is the way that you did as a business practitioner, how it helps solve a business problem mm-hmm. for you, right? Yeah. Stable, stable coins allow you to move money and move value uh, very cheaply and very fast. Oh, extremely cheap. I mean, I want to say the fees on one of these, and this was a very large transaction, like. You know, seven figures plus. It was like fifty dollars, I think, total for multiple transactions. It's probably less than that. Maybe it's thirty-eight, something like that. So, um, it was, yeah, it was very, very business friendly. And that's the kind of stuff too that you touched on earlier, like the lack of education um, in the political world or from the politicians about what 
Bitcoin is, stable coins, all, all that is that's that's everything right now to me. Anyway, that's the the biggest issue is just a lack of understanding of the utilization for it, what it even is. That from Bitcoin mining standpoint, the energy infrastructure aspect of it and what it does and what it can allow and what it provides. Because I mean, you think from a politician wanting to get up there and tell a story from the if you can go and talk about what Bitcoin mining has done for you know impoverished areas or areas that have don't have access to reliable grid power, it's an amazing story, and I don't know anything like it honestly from a from an energy uh, infrastructure standpoint. It allows projects, renewable projects, which you you know you think the people on the left would fully embrace. The Bitcoin mining creates a way to generate income for some of this renewable gener power generation that. There's nothing else like it that you can monetize right away from a renewal project when you don't you have transmission line issues and all that for bringing that renewable power to the grid. It's like this is the way that you go and solve the chicken or egg issue. And once they start understanding this more and spend the time talking with folks like you guys um, and hopefully us and listen to us, you know, that's the stuff where I think it'll help trigger like, oh, now I got a story to tell. You know what I mean? Now I have now i understand why they're talking about what this does um but i'll be honest i think a lot of politicians don't understand the energy infrastructure at all the existing energy infrastructure that we have um in the problems that we face with it and so um that's the parts where i think bitcoin mining and groups that go and educate politicians about what it is and what it does once they start getting the stories and understanding what it actually allows power generation groups to do, that's where you're going to see like kind of the light bulb moments for a lot of them where they're going to start embracing this as a technology in the energy infrastructure world that allows them to push their other agendas forward. Is that, is that kind of what you guys focus on at all when you're talking with them? Yeah. And we really need more data too, right? Yeah, we need yeah. to present data because every time we present data, it shows what we've been saying, mm -hmm. which is that Bitcoin mining is not going to, it's not a panacea. It doesn't fix all the world's problems, but it does help in three key areas, right? Job creation, um, grid resilience, as far as uh, frequency balancing, mm -hmm. and then uh, incentivizing new generation, right? So I guess number two is frequency balancing and demand response. Mm -hmm. Include both of those items in number two. So there's three key areas where the data is on our side. And as long as we can continue to tell the story followed up by data, third party data, we're going to be in a good spot. Is there enough data coming in? Like there's, is there enough groups that focus on compiling that data or, t or studies and, and whatnot that like, are they, is there more and more of that happening or is that even a struggle to try to get that data kind of put together? It is a struggle. Yeah, we've we've tried to aggregate some job creation numbers, uh, and our our latest figure is two thousand direct jobs created in Texas and twenty thousand indirect jobs. Like mm, indirect wow. being economic, uh, the economic development that was brought to that region by mining has created jobs in in mm -hmm. uh, related industries and ten ninety nine type jobs, and so yeah. two thousand are like the W two type jobs. So. You know, that's that's extrapolation, though, from two studies. Mm, we need to two. do a statewide wow. study that that costs seventy thousand dollars. And that would give us very granular data mm -hmm. on the economic impact. Um, so is that what some of the fundraising dollars go to is funding some of these studies like through TBC? Yeah. Okay. So, so we're raising money for that. You know, that's kind of a long term thing. It's not easy to raise that, that kind of money for for one report. Right. Um, and that would be done by somebody like Ernst and Young mm -hmm. or a, a big a big firm that does right. economic analysis. Um, the other, you know, the other key component here is uh, is really educating just in the offices with mm -hmm. the staffers, yeah, and, and bringing them, you know, anecdotal data from their district about jo uh, job creation, like bringing down somebody, like they need to see the face. Mm -hmm of the person that was hired. Right. I was like, oh, I used to live in this town in your district and now I'm, I'm working at this Bitcoin mine. Yeah. What about like so a tax not, revenue basis? Have, have there been any studies about like what kind of tax revenue has, has the mining industry generated in Texas? 
So the, there's the same two studies that I referenced. It also covered tax revenue as okay. far as you know aggregate economic impact. So if we were to able if we were to do a full statewide study with a, a large firm, then they would cover tax mm-hmm. uh, impact as well. Do, do you have a number from the last one that was done? We weren't able to aggregate that or extrapolate yeah. it because it was easier to extrapolate the jobs numbers because yeah. we could just do some surveys with miners, look at how many megawatts are here and extrapolate it. Um, there's the tax stuff is way more complex and convoluted mm-hmm. because of different exemp- exemptions. Um, but you know, another thing on the data front is getting involved with the ERCOT large flexible load task force that Texas A&M Inter- blockchain energy initiative led, led by Professor Xi out there uh, at A&M. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful data too, mm-hmm. because you're seeing how the the load is responsive. You know, every time we have a, a winter event or a summer heat wave, I'm talking to ERCOT saying, hey, what are we looking at? How's it looking? How are we doing? The, and they can't give me like detailed data, uh, but they can give me aggregated and anonymized information, right? Mm-hmm. That, that they're permitted to share. Um, so if we had, if we were able to get that data internally, like exact to the number, that would be helpful. But again, we're able to put like extrapolate using some ERCOT data and our own data to come up with estimates that are fairly close, like within, within plus or minus three or four percentage points. Okay. Have, have things changed? And I'm sorry to bounce around with it. We get like serious questions and I'm like, has it changed a lot from when you first got going? to compare to now as far as being able to get an audience with some of the decision makers has it gotten a lot easier or what was it really difficult at the start to kind of get taken seriously or you know how how has that kind of trajectory played out yeah i think just like anything in business and politics the more influence you have the easier mm-hmm. the doors are to open so it's gotten easier as we've gone on uh, i think it helps to, so we've had a lobbyist that's worked with us for four years named Reed Clay. Yep. Uh, he opened some doors really early on. He used to work for Governor Abbott. Okay. And so that was really helpful on like in the first year where nobody had heard of us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we had that uh, event in 20, I want to say it was 2021 or 2020. I can't remember, probably 2021 with uh, at the governor's mansion. It might even have been before that. Um, and there's no way we could have gotten in there without Reed, right? Mm-hmm. So we had 40 of our, our big, you know, executives from our biggest members come out to the governor's mansion, spend an hour with him at his, you know, at the, at the mansion, kind of a reception type mm-hmm. of thing. No way that could have happened without, without him. So there's been some people that have, that have really helped on that front. And now that our name is out there a little bit more, um, it's, it's a, it's easier, but never easy, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Have you been working with the Dennis's group, the Satoshi Action Fund and Satoshi Action Education Fund much? Yeah, we have. Mm-hmm. We've worked with Dennis for a long time. He and I got to know each other on the conference circuit a couple of years ago, and we would like share Ubers from different you know fundraisers or yeah. speaking things. And uh, so we've I've known Dennis for a while, and we worked together on some stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah they've been doing some. Uh, good work with some of the state governments as well, kind of all over the place. And yeah, they get, I've, I've been happy with the progress they've been doing as well. I'm on their Satoshi Action Education Fund board, so I'm I'm a homer, but yeah, he's a good dude. We haven't had him on the yeah. podcast yet. Yeah, I know, we need to get him on here too. We need to get him on here too, and we'll put him, uh, put him on the hot seat, so. Yeah, you we, might have to do virtual for him too. I'm gonna make him come out here. He owes me. He's coming up here for uh, Nape, so we'll we'll be we'll be doing something there. Um, we'll be down for Nape too. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll we'll have you back. Maybe we we'll have you guys on at the same time. In person, in the in flesh. person, in the flesh. It'll be at the Bitcoin Mining Pavilion. At yeah, we should do that. We should do that. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm speaking of that. My hair's gonna be really long by then. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna just let it keep going, man. No haircut. You know how much money I've been trail. saving? Oh my gosh. Well, I spend like $60 every two weeks. Yeah, not me, man. I've been saving all kinds of money. But yeah, Lee, well, man, look, I, uh, I'm, again, I don't want to sound too much like a, a fanboy of TBC and you, but I really do think you've done a remarkable job over the past few years of kind of 
making Texas the preeminent place to mine Bitcoin. And, you know, that hash rate that's coming out of Texas and the megawatts that you referenced, or gigawatts that you referenced, like that, that has a lot to do with the efforts that you've shown and that you've put forth and making Texas a safe home for miners to come to. And, you know, I, I really, I know it's not an easy job and you do deal with, uh, you know, people trying to get after you a little bit about, you know, having to play the middle on the blockchain and Bitcoin world. But, uh, I think you've done a great job and you've always had a wonderful attitude and a good presence. And I just really admire how, how hard you've worked at trying to do what you've done for Texas. So thank you. Appreciate it guys. And it's not, you know, it's not possible without members, right? Like Martin mm-hmm. legal, digital wildcatters, the way that you guys, uh, work with us is, is awesome. And it was an honor to be on the show. Yeah, man. Anytime. We'd love to have you back. And again, we are going to have you back at Nate. It's going to be fun. He committed. What is that? Right. February? You know how you got to hold these politicians' feet to the fire. That We're taking it as a commitment. You did it. You said yes. <laughs> yeah. Something. February. February. It's like the first week of February. Okay. Nape's going to be good this year. I, the, the, I was actually talking with uh, some of the organizers last week or two weeks ago when I was in Miami. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got some big stuff planned for Bitcoin and miners. And they really are trying to like pull it into, into Nate more and make it more of a prominent part of it so i think it's it's good and shoot i'll give you guys credit for that too lee i think that that you know what you guys have done is played a part of that what you guys have been doing has been playing a huge part of that so they even brought it, brought that up during the call so I forgot to tell you that oh, i'd love to hear more yeah this. yeah it's good stuff <laughs> good stuff Lee's so been great having yeah. you. we'll catch up with you soon guys if you like the episode take two seconds like subscribe share with all your friends go check out tvc Lee, when's the summit, by the way? Go ahead and plug that really quickly. Summit is November 15th through 17th. So we are going to have a Landman Continuing Ed class at the summit. Actually, four uh, Landman classes. So Nape's helping us put that on. Uh, I think we'll I'm speaking at that. I think I'm speaking at it. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. September. We're doing two. One oh, in okay. September. Okay, yeah. We'll bring you back in November, too. <laughs> All right. So in November is in Fort Worth? Or Austin. Fort Worth Convention Center. Yep. Fort Worth Convention Center. That's right. Okay. Yeah, man. We're excited. Shout out to Mayor Matty Parker in Fort Worth for being the first city in the U.S. to mine Bitcoin. That's right. So in, in response to that, we decided we'd move the summit up there. Nice. I'm looking forward to it, man. I am too. So it's going to be good. So catch both of us at the summit. So if you guys are watching, listening, uh, we hope to catch you guys there too. Lee, Thank- great chatting with you. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Thank you, Lee.